Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. I'm a journalist and menstrual cycle coach, and I'm obsessed with all things spirituality, sexuality, wellness, empowerment, and mysticism. Join me as I interview coaches, teachers, healers, and thought leaders from all around the globe about all the ways we can feel more tuned in, turned on, and lit up AF. If you're on a journey toward self-discovery, you've come to the right place. This is The Light Within. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. Today, I am so excited to have someone on the show who talks a lot about the menstrual cycle in her own work, and we are going to talk a lot today about her specialty, Ayurveda, and especially how it relates to to the cycle. It's something that I am not super well-versed in. I've done some research on it, and I know I use some principles of Ayurveda in my own work, but I'm just really excited to get way more information from Angelica herself. So Angelica Neary has been an intuitive healer for a decade. She is trained in all forms of yoga, meditation. She's led over 10 yoga teacher trainings and also received her 500-hour certification in Rishikesh, India. Now, I'm sure she can pronounce that for me even better when she jumps on the call. She's also an Ayurvedic health specialist and certified Reiki master. She's helped hundreds of women successfully heal holistically. So I know you guys are going to get so much out of this conversation. Please join me in welcoming Angelica to the light within. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me here, Leslie. And you actually said Rishi Cash perfect. So sweet. Perfect. (laughs) Well, the first question I ask all of my guests is what ignites your light within? So it's interesting. In Ayurveda, there's five elements, and this is kind of similar to how it relates to Chinese herbal medicine in that sense. Um, But I see the light as the fire element. And for me, I'm all like passion. I'm very ruled by Mars, got a lot of Scorpio on my chart. And so I am all about being fiery. So I think what stokes my passion is ancient knowledge a lot, as you could tell, Reiki and yoga and Ayurveda. I just love all of those formats and it literally just seeking more knowledge is what I'm thirsty for always. So, um, whenever I'm learning something new, I feel like that really stokes my passion and I love sharing it with other women too. That gets me really stoked too, because I find that not only it's like that ripple effect of the healing, it's like, wow, it's brought me so many gifts and healing and being able to share and expand that is just the most rewarding thing in the world. Mm, I love that. So I just gave listeners a taste of your very extensive, fantastic bio. Can you introduce yourself even more and let us know what it is that you bring into the world? Yeah, thank you. Um, So I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner and obviously I dabble in all ancient holistic modalities like yoga was my first love and how I came into this whole realm. Um, And then I became a Reiki master. Um, And then along the way, I mean, I just, the the Vedas, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but they're just also known as an ancient group of people and also these ancient texts. Mm -hmm. And it's just so vast. There's constantly stuff that I'm learning. So currently kind of nosediving into Vedic astrology and how that relates to Dharma and everything like that. But very much started my healing journey, getting into yoga. I'm uh, always been very connected to my body. I grew up as a dancer. Mm -hmm. And when I found yoga, I was like, oh, wow, like this actually gives us a science of why the mind-body connection is so important. And what I was feeling from dance all those years. So I felt really seen when I was in my practice and it was something that came pretty natural to me. Mm -hmm. And then it was once I started with yoga, just like 
kept unraveling and I wanted more and more. Um, I found it Ayurveda because I kept hearing the name and the name was so enchanting to me, you know, and it was like, what is that name that keeps popping up? And I, at the time was healing from my physical balances as most healers do. And they came into this realm and Ayurveda is like the science of all healing, this mother nurturing energy, which is very much what my journey was about. So it came at the perfect time. And I studied at an Ayurveda college and got my degrees to become a specialist and just diving in headfirst. And now Ayurveda is such a huge part of my practice. And Mm -hmm. I always think that our um, offerings and what we're sharing with the world, they constantly evolve. Like that's why I don't necessarily always over-identify with Ayurveda, but definitely at this time and period in my life, it's um, what I feel called to share and share to others under this lens. Mm, Yeah, I think that like you said, we're always evolving. So I love that you're saying you're, you're not exactly identifying with it, but yet it is something that I feel like you're, you talk about so much on your podcast as well. Um, which I love your podcast and all the episodes that you guys have. Um, and by the way, guys, her podcast is called the divine feminine healers podcast. Um, one of the top five most listened to podcasts in the world. So you guys have got to check it out. And, and you mentioned it kind of what Ayurveda is. I was taught that it's like the sister science of yoga. Is that right? So it's really interesting how like these generic terms of how we're talking about it kind of get morphed. I recently Mm -hmm. just learned from my teacher. She's like, well, not really. You would say sister science, but I get on, I get understanding of where that comes from, but yeah, they're very linked together because it all comes from the Vedas. So it's very much like, um, how I describe it, like in yoga, yoga was created because for meditation because we would sit in meditation and be so uncomfortable that they needed to cleanse the channels and do twists and stuff to release the toxins. And Ayurveda was also um, channeled so that we can, you know, cleanse the internal organs and the internal body so that we could get to a point um, of Samadhi. So um, yeah, that's how they're really linked together and they do go hand in hand so beautifully. And I find that a lot of times though, Ayurveda, it's only taught under the physical sense of like, Oh, what's, diet best for my dosha or even lifestyle practices are best for me. And my journey experience with it has really been opening up my spirituality and seeing how we can connect deeper with our spirituality through Ayurveda. Cause Ayurveda is really just like a principle. Um, and once you've learned to apply that to different things, like understanding your moon cycle and something that I've been diving on my Instagram page is talking about how you can apply Ayurvedic principles to your spiritual business to make it grow. So it's like, there's so much richness in this content that if we were just to dilute it and talk about it only in terms of food, that's like so limited and restrictive. And I love that you bring that up because you're right. I have really enjoyed the beautiful graphics that you've shared on your Instagram. And it does make it make so much more sense because when I was learning about Ayurveda, probably in, I'm trying to think, I used to be a TV news anchor and I interviewed Sahara Rose, who's pretty well known as far as her, she wrote like Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, which I, which I, I got the book and read through that, but you're right. It was a ton about food and how to balance the doshas, things like that. Um, but I love that you're really using those principles in ways that feel much more enmeshed in, I think, everybody's everyday life. So can you just talk a little bit about like 101, right? Like people who are listening to this, I've never talked about pod, uh, Ayurveda on the podcast. So they're probably like, what the fuck is a dosha? <laughs> 
sure. Yeah, I was just thinking that too. I was like, wait, maybe we need to backtrack and talk about what is Ayurveda. So Ayurveda is the most ancient healing science in the world. And, you know, it's hard to date back because they did a lot of things orally back then and, and how they educated everyone. So 5,000, 10,000 years. I know that seems like a big gap, but it was like one of the first sciences. So think about getting to the root cause of your imbalance and healing the mind, the body, soul, all is one unit. Mm -hmm. And so some of the modalities that Ayurveda is known for is diet. That's of course important, but lifestyle practices. And the way that I was always taught it too, is that the Vedas, they give us these principles, but by nature, they're supposed to be dynamic. Meaning no matter what time period we are in our life, 5,000 years ago, or right now, it's supposed to be relevant to what Mm -hmm. we're doing. So sometimes I find that Ayurveda can get so specific and this happens with any science or any religion for that matter. And it can get so restrictive and just thinking like, oh, that must mean X, Y, Z, and that's how it is forever. But when I really have to study and contemplate the sciences, it's taking these massive principles and then, like I said, just being able to apply it to this specific point in time. So um, one of those principles is knowing that we are all three bodies. And so you have to heal all three bodies. You don't just heal the physical body, even by giving an herbal formula, but what is happening in the mental tendencies? What is happening and how is that related to the emotional body? And when I look Well, when I used to do one-on-one consultations and I would look at that person, when you look at it from the Ayurvedic standpoint, you would look at everything that has happened in their life, their whole life experiences, their environment. Mm -hmm. Um, What have they, if they've gone through trauma in their life, like that's going to affect them. That's going to affect what diet and what lifestyle practices I'm going to give to them because they may not be receptive to other things. So it's really Ayurveda celebrates that each person is so unique. We've been given a unique mind, body, soul, and we need to honor that. So, you know, even though you and me might relate to a lot of similarities, we are different people. We've had different experiences. So our approach to healing is going to be massively different. So with Ayurveda, it's knowing that each person is unique. We call that a constitution. You're given a unique combination of the five elements. So, you know, Chinese herbal medicine has their five elements. Ayurveda has five elements. And it's not about finding a perfect balance of each of those five elements in each person, but each person has this unique expression of each one and something to honor and celebrate. Mm. Okay. And so I think a, a lot of times the like entryway into Ayurveda is like these quizzes that you'll see online, especially if like, you know, you see celebrities talking about it. There's also a lot of stuff out there that I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, is t- is like tied to Ayurveda that people are doing now for self-care, like oil pulling um, and the tongue scraping thing, like self-care practices. So if people are wondering like how on earth do I even start to learn about this, what would be some ways to dip the toe in. Yeah. So there are so many quizzes and I have like a love hate relationship with them. Like I used to have a quiz on my website. I think it's really good for just like, you know, clinging on to anything and let's face it. Like we love a good quiz and we love hearing more about ourselves and like all these different archetypes, like tell me my human design. I'm all for it. So I, you know, whatever, which way is like, you're going to get into the door. It's just practicing non-attachment. Like oh, I'm not going to blame myself just because I identify with a certain dosha. So Mm -hmm. when you find out your dosha, that can be really helpful. So this is, I think, the most misconstrued concept in Ayurveda, and it's important to understand. I feel like I answer this at least like once a week or a day in my DMs, but your constitution in Ayurveda, that's who this unique combination of all five elements in your mind-body-soul complex that you were given at birth, 
that is very much related to your astrology birth chart, right? That never changes. It's just who you are. It's a roadmap of who you okay. are, more fiery, more airy, a combination of air and fire, earth, whatever it is. You're all of them, by the way, just in different capacities. So throughout life, though, you may have noticed that you've been more in this fiery state and you've been more prone to burnout, to overworking yourself. You were quick tempered. You had a lot of acne. You had a lot of inflammation. There are certain patterns that we can track in this way. Another time in your life, maybe you felt a little more heavier. You felt more depressed. You felt more lethargic. It was easier to put on weights, maybe some mucus and chest congestion stuff going on. And then other times in your life, you're feeling more airy, like, oh, it's so hard to feel grounded. I'm constantly unfocused and overwhelmed. And this is related to my body with constipation and dryness and maybe losing weight. So these are the different three archetypes that I just briefly went through. I'm happy to go into deeper if you'd like. Um, but just understanding that throughout your lifetime, if you were to do a timeline, you've shifted, right? So what we're currently focused on in healing in Ayurveda is what is that snapshot right now? Where are you right now, your mind, your body, and soul? And I always recommend going to an Ayurvedic practitioner to get a full consultation. So if you've been feeling physical or emotional or mental all together in one, like if your body is speaking to you for at least, um, you know, a month, maybe a couple of months, then that's time to seek out a practitioner. And what they'll do is they'll have a one-on-one -on -one consultation with you. Um, but it's so much deeper than probably any consultation that you've gotten before, because they're going to ask you very in-depth questions about your life. And it makes you feel so seen and heard, honestly. I'm like, finally, someone is taking into consideration like all these things, because, you know, in our Western world, which I think totally holds a valid place in our world, but when you're looking for that deeper context and you have to go to internists for your gut issues, and then you have to go to a gynecologist for your reproductive issues, mm -hmm. and you know they're linked together, you want someone who understands that verbiage. So that's what an Ayurvedic um, consultation can really give you. And then they'll give you holistic remedies to heal, to naturally empower you that you can heal yourself. That's another thing with Ayurveda is we don't outsource our power to even herbal remedies um, or um, anything outside of ourselves, like a, a quick fix. We always know that our body's natural state is to want to heal and to feel so alive in our body. And truly that practitioner is just getting you back to that state. So if you're like, I'm not really ready to go into a full consultation yet, then you can check out some quizzes. I really like the one on Banyan Botanicals website. It's pretty in depth. So I like that. Um, to also keep in mind to practice non-attachment with this. It's not mm -hmm. always true. And mainly focus on what is your current imbalance. What imbalance are you feeling the most right now? And they talk about this in terms of doshas. So there's three archetypes in Ayurveda. They're derived from the five elements. And um, so there's the fiery type we call pitta dosha. There is more of the earthy type, which is a kapha dosha. And there's the more airy type which is the Vata Dosha. And so you can have either one of these imbalances. You can have a combination of these imbalances, but just understanding that can be so huge because then we apply the Ayurvedic concept of the law of opposites. And it's really simple. So if you're too fiery, what you need to do to tame that fire is to ground that fire, to stabilize it and to bring in the water element. And we naturally already intuitively do this. So think about it. If you were to have something that was really spicy and your mouth is on fire, you would do like coconut water or coconut milk or avocado, something that's more bland to take that out. It's something that we intuitively do. And Ayurveda just reminds you that you have the intuition and now you can start to apply it to other areas of your life. 
So mm-hmm. I guess I would say start with the Fanny Botanicals quiz and I can send that link too. Yeah. Um, and then just starting to understand and get curious about what your doshic imbalance is. And I talk about this a lot on my Instagram page so that you can kind of like sift through and think, oh, I've really been w- relating to the Vata dosha a lot. Or, oh, I've been really relating to the Pitta dosha. So then you can make your own decision on where your imbalance is. And something I think that I got confused about a lot was like, um, this whole idea that you're born with some dosha. And then if you get out of balance in the future of your life, that you need to somehow get back to like that OG dosha, is that the case? Or is what you were talking about, um, like your, what you're born with that certain combination of the five elements, is that just something separate? Does that make sense? Yeah. So that is what like a lot of Ayurvedic practitioners believe is that, yeah, we want you to get back to that natural state. Cause that's like your optimal state. It's like, Oh, I feel happiest. And that doesn't mean that you're in equal parts of Pitta, Kapha or Vata, but it means like if you're more fiery type, it's like, yeah, lean into that. Like I, I like to be more fiery. Now I also like to think in contracts of like, I, I, again, like I talked about one of my, about this with one of my mentors, like, can our constitution change though? Like, are we really like we're going through so many changes as human beings, like people completely evolved and like some signs like Scorpios, for example, are like so transformative, like they're constantly shedding and coming into new identities all the time. So I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, when you're first learning Ayurveda, like I want to keep the training wheels on. So like, yes, that's true. But when you really begin to dabble and you're in it and you're in it for a while, then you start to see how you can kind of break down that fourth wall. Mm. So how has studying Ayurveda changed your life? How has it impacted the way that you're able to move through the planet? So many ways. So I'm trying to think of what feels really relevant to me right now. Mm -hmm. So when I first started to learn Ayurveda, it was so healing because I immediately saw improvements in my digestive system. And for someone who had IBS, which is like a burnt out nervous system, and it was just ruining all my gut issues, to have relief like that was so incredible after not for so long. Mm -hmm. And it was very empowering because it was all stuff that I was doing. I wasn't taking a medication or something. So that was so empowering that I was like, I've got to study this like to a T. And I definitely have that kind of like perfectionist way about me where I like to make everything. And I, and I, I think, cause I respect ancient lineages so much. I just wanted it to be proper and, and perfect. I learned from a more rigid, more masculine type of structure Um, which I loved at the time, like very thorough, very in-depth and detailed and intelligent. And, um, but it was very calculated and structured. And so throughout my journey with this, I just had an adversity at one time. It was like maybe a couple of years ago. I was like, I just, I feel like I need to move Ayurveda to the side. Mm -hmm. And I just like needed to get away from it. It was like too much. It felt too restricting. And that's when I knew something was up because that is like the opposite of what Ayurveda preaches is like, mm-hmm. it never, you get to choose what you want. Like there's never any rules, but I was feeling like a rule based to me. Like you can't eat this. You can't eat that. Not this time of day, not that. So I kind of had to get away from it for a bit. And in that time period, as I thought I was getting away from it, I think I was just deconstructing the parts that didn't feel true to me anymore. And I was reconstructing my own variation of what Ayurveda means to me. And in that sense, I found that I actually follow more of a divine feminine form of Ayurveda where I trust my own intuition as a golden compass. And then I use this science as validation for what I already know from within me. Mm. And that completely changed the way that I taught Ayurveda too. Cause I did used to teach it more rule-based of, for example, there's these conscious eating habits of, um, 
and that I would deliver to my clients or, you know, diets and like, oh, no, 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 like only eat things that are warm and unctuous and things like that. And there was less of that malleability and less of, does that feel good in your body? Like, and yeah, coming from that embodiment standpoint. So that really changed me to kind of coming up with this divine feminine form of Ayurveda, which I'm not the only one who's kind of speaking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, Shakti School, I don't know if you're familiar, but yeah. I love Katie Silcox and I've had her on the podcast and she very much, her whole school is rooted in this. So come back to body, let your body validate it. And let's use this wisdom of Ayurveda to validate what we're already, because you not be, you might not be ready for certain things in your life and certain principles. Mm-hmm. So always check and see what feels right in your body. So right now it's for me, just going back to the laws and to the principles of Ayurveda, kind of like those cosmic laws that never change and constantly being in this dance for how it, how it lives within me. Mm, I love that. And I also love the whole divine feminine approach. Obviously I'm a menstrual cycle coach, a womb witch. So of course that's stuff that I, (laughs) I absolutely gravitate toward. So let's shift a little bit and talk a bit about Ayurveda and the menstrual cycle. One thing that my teacher who is also an Ayurvedic practitioner spoke about in our certification is this idea. And you kind of just mentioned it too, about eating warm foods. And when you look at period blood specifically, you know, you want to be eating warm foods. So the analogy she used was like, Um, period blood is like coconut oil. And when it's cold, it gets more stagnant. And that's why you may have more pain versus if you eat warm foods and the period blood is moving like coconut oil would be moving if it was warm, the period blood will flow through you more easily and you won't have things like cramps. It was like a cramp analogy. Hmm. Um, Have you ever heard of anything like that? Or do you practice that too? Yeah. So in Ayurveda, one of the principles is that digestion is king. So, and part of knowing if your digestion is king is, you know, obviously if you have bloating or gas or these type of symptoms after you eat, digestion is off. And then also knowing how, where your Agni is. And Agni means digestive fire. So that's having that visceral hunger feeling, for example, before breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There's other indicators of Agni, but that's one of the easiest ones. So you'll notice too, like, that's the first symptom of someone who's passing out of their physical body. They'll say that's the first symptom is that they lose their agni, they lose Uh their appetite. And then it's like a year or so process. But it's so interesting because you'll notice when you're sick too, you'll lose your appetite. And right. And that's because the body is focusing on these other systems of the body to regulate and the digestive system has to take offline. So it's important to listen to that. And when we talk about agni, it's like fire and, always think of the analogy of like a campfire log and we want it to constantly be stoked. So we're putting in just enough log just so it keeps the flames going. We don't want it smoldering. We don't want it, you know, to be inflamed and we don't want to put it out. We don't want to put too much water or too much earth into it, but just enough to keep it stoked. So what helps to increase Agni is warm foods, foods that are, you know, it's over your body doesn't have to take a lot to, of energy to transform that cold to heat. So it's easier for it to digest. Um, If it's lightly oiled, specifically with ghee, Ayurveda loves is because that can really, um, and especially if you spice it with foods, the spices and herbs are so intelligent that when it mixes with ghee, it actually goes deeper to the tissues of the body and takes on the aptogenic qualities of the herbs Mm -hmm. so that you can actually assimilate them so much better. So there's certain little things like this in Ayurveda that we have that are recommended. And I think what gets lost sometimes is like, oh my God, you're having a smoothie. Like, no, that's so bad, you know? And like, um, it's really... (laughs) 
it, there's no right or wrong cure. It's what does your body say? Does your body respond to that? Is your body digesting it? What are your symptoms after you're having that smoothie? How often are you having that smoothie? And are there other imbalances that are showing us that, you know, maybe we do want to invite in warm foods and just always asking your body what it wants and needs. Mm. And so when it comes to some of the, um, ways people with periods could benefit from practicing Ayurveda, or at least, you know, just learning the principles and seeing what the more um, intuitive version of Ayurveda, because I'm not going to sit here and be like, go learn Ayurveda, because it seems like a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But are there things that they could take away that you think might improve their either relationship with their cycle, or even some of the common cycle signs that are out there? Yeah, so much. And that's why I love Ayurveda too. Like I know I'm talking about it from pretty like esoteric or like broad principles and standpoints. I think that's just where I'm at with it right now. But there's so many practicality tools that you could dive into that you could start applying and feel incredible. Like truly like one of my go-tos for anyone healing in Ayurveda with Ayurvedic principles is establishing a morning routine. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, especially with hormonal imbalances, um, we see the hormones as everything comes back to digestion. So I would normally link that to there's probably digestive issues going on if you have a hormone imbalance. So things like eating warm, unctuous foods might feel really good for you, especially in the morning. And establishing a morning routine is really important for um, healing basically any imbalance. So warm water with lemon, um, tongue scraping, tongue scraper is like this metal prong. And you can get it like any health food store, or I personally love Dr. Tongues because they have really good floss too. So you can mm. kind of get a little bundle with that. But anywho, um, you stick out your tongue and then you release the toxins off your back of your tongue all the way to the front. And you do that about three to five times every morning. And that helps to cleanse toxins in the body. Um, meditating or finding stillness. Like that's like an easy morning routine. If you have that, I bet you will see crazy results just from that. But if we want to talk deeper sense and really applying it to our period, and I'm so interested to hear kind of your feedback on this and how it relates to your knowledge on womb wisdom, but the way that I've seen it, and the the ancient texts don't talk about this explicitly. This has been kind of my own expression and understanding of the doshas in terms of the menstrual cycle. So I do want to say that. Um, But what I was learning, because I had to heal my own cycle, and it's kind of an ever-growing journey for me, is that when you understand the doshas, the doshas live in everything. We go through different seasons of life through the doshas. Um, so, and we also go through like the actual seasons, like we're in Vata season right now where it's colder and it's drier um, and there's wind and, and all these other external factors that make it more Vata vitiating. The same thing happens with our cycle. Every month we go through these cycles of the month and it's something to be celebrated. So for example, for those who know these um, phases of the menstrual cycle, like the follicular and a little bit of the luteal phase is going to be more about, um, or I should say the ovulation phase is going to be more about the um, kappa phase. And the kappa phase is really when we're starting to build up our hormones again. Um, And it's also the type of phase. um, So it's just noticing yeah, I'll go through the phases first, then we can talk about which imbalances are there. But that Kappa moon phase is really all about, you know, creativity, just like what you do with your follicular phase. That's how you heal a lot with the Vata Dosha. And movement is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also the time when you can have more of those um, lighter foods because your body's still cleansing. It's just releasing the hormones um, from the body. 
And then we'll go into the pitta phase. That's majority of the cycle, um, which is a little bit of like ovulation and luteal phase. And that's when you kind of have like a little bit more energy, right? You can start to get more of those tasks done. And this is also the time of the month where you can have more harder to digest foods because Agni or digestive fire is stronger. Um, so you can digest things more like raw foods if you wanted to. Um, you could do maybe more of those arduous workouts. And then we have the last phase, which is the Vata Moon phase, which is the menstrual phase. And that's mm-hmm. the, when we can go inward. Um, and this can coincide with the moon, usually with the new moon. A lot of women will get their period. It doesn't have to be that way, but sometimes it does. And that's a time where we're highly intuitive. So it's a really good time to go inward and to meditate. And, you know, we can supplement our diet with more grounding and root vegetables and warm foods that can really um, help to dissipate some vata imbalances. And what's really cool about this is I'll notice, you know, if I get a woman who has PCOS, then she might have some more of imbalances happening during the pitta cycle. Mm -hmm. So for example, if that's like a week or so before you get your period, you're getting inflammation, you're getting acne, you're feeling pissed off. Like these are signs that your pitta dosha may be out of balance. And then other times I work with a lot of women who are just debilitating menstrual cramps. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's more during the menstrual phase where it's just unbearable. And so that tells me there's a vata imbalance that's happening. So we'll want to kind of work with vata pacifying rituals um, to heal them in that way. Mm. Yeah, I hadn't heard the inner seasons linked to the doshas like that before. And honestly, I'm glad that you did because I would not have thought that kapha was where it was. I would have flip-flopped it with vata, um, but that's great to know. And I also think one misconception that a lot of people out there who might be doing the quizzes like we like we mentioned and something that I felt I had heard was like that kapha is – like if you're going to hate to say this, but like was like the bad dosha was like the one where you were like lazy and like you were fatter and shit like that. So it's interesting to me that you're saying that that would be in spring, inner spring and some of inner summer, because um, that's often like when I would feel like you were the opposite of lazy. So that's really cool. Oh, it's so interesting that like we come up with all these conditionings. This actually came up when I was at my Ayurvedic college and I, it's just something human that are that a lot of people do and they like to think of and they like to put people in categories like yeah we always think that just you know we're so obsessed with the body in this culture and you know I get it it's something that we see every day and it, you know our bodies are incredible works of art but um just by you can't know your dosha like uh, sometimes I'll get people are like what's my dosha looking at my body type and it's like I don't uh-huh. know like like you know like that's if you were to look at how if I ever when I do a full Ayurvedic consultations, that's seriously one marker. And sometimes lately I don't even go into it because I don't want people to become obsessed with that anymore. It's one indicator out of a hundred other questions that I ask that goes into what your dosha is. Mm -hmm. It can be important. And, you know, those ancient or Ayurvedic practitioners that like are in India, they've been doing it for centuries and like, they can know, like they can look at things like that and it can be like amazing, but Truly, it's not something that I would hold a lot of weight to. But yeah, it's really interesting how we put that on um, these conditionings on these different doshas. That's why I really do like to practice non-attachment with them because everyone's yeah. like, oh yeah, I really resonate with being Pitta Vata. And that's because that's what our culture celebrates yeah. a lot. But really, our Kappa dosha is so important too. Like you, 
our culture needs more of the Cappadocia because the Cappadocia is grounding, it's nurturing, it's compassionate. And if there's one thing that's lacking, I think we can all agree that it's that. And we need to be lighter on ourselves. Like we don't need more Pitta dominated people in this world and more high estrogen, like more go-getters and more this masculine energy. Like we need to balance it with the Cappadocia and you all have Kappa within you, whether you want to admit it or not. So it's a good thing to celebrate that rather than denying that part of you. Like that's what makes you whole. And also I like to talk about doshas in terms of empowerment. So while it's cool to see these imbalances of kappas, yeah, they can have a tendency when they're really out of balance to be um, depressed or lethargic or put on weight. And, you know, sometimes that can be empowering to learn of like, okay, yeah, like I feel sane. Like that's what I'm experiencing right now. And it's really good to have someone who can hear me and understand that right now. But, you know, take the training wheels off and know that when a cop is in balance, they are these um, beautiful beings that love to be social with other people. They're very caring. They're very nurturing. And they actually like movement practices. They're not the lazy type. They know that it feels really good for them to do workouts. And they're pretty diligent about that. And they're so consistent. Like Kappas will stick with something and, and see it all the way through the end. So there is something to celebrate about each doshas, but I, I especially feel the affinity towards Kappas. Well, I love that you explained that too. And I know I have seen so many of those, and I hate to keep talking about these quizzes, but I think that's like where so many people like get exposed to this, like all the, and God, my phone is listening to me. So I guarantee I'll have like some Instagram (laughs) ad about this shit like later today. But (laughs) so often when they show you the three doshas, it'll be like an outline of a body. And have you seen these where it's like a super skinny person, like a medium person, and then a fatter person? And as someone who is, I'm, I'm very anti-diet. I came, um, last year, stopped dieting after 20 years of eating disorders. And when I would see that stuff, it would trigger the shit out of me, um, just because of the own, my own healing I needed to do. So I'm so happy that you explained it like that. And also seeing in myself, I've had a very rough last couple of months. I've talked about it on my podcast, just kind of the, the trauma I have endured over the last few months and the burnout and low level depression and anxiety and PTSD. I'm like, Oh, okay. This makes some sense. I'm seeing stuff that we're talking about in my own self. And I love that about kind of this conversation, but also the way you express Ayurveda as a way that you can see inside yourself, um, and maybe find a way to kind of guide yourself back to wholeness. I kind of just love that about Ayurveda from what I'm understanding the way that you're explaining yeah, it. Yeah. I'm so happy that you got that concept because that's truly what it's meant to be. And what I want to preach like from the mountaintops, it's like the reason why people usually get called to Ayurveda is because they need more of that motherly and nurturing energy mm-hmm. and they need to have more of that compassion. And it's truly a journey of getting back to yourself and reestablishing this relationship with food that can be really enjoyable. That doesn't have to be so, you know, secular and, and anything like that. So yeah, I, I think a trauma-informed approach too is really important to mention. Like, um, yeah, that that's important. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that that's also something that comes into play a lot with my work as well. Like um, understanding the traumas that the body undergoes and how often those are stored within the womb space. So I do a lot of work with, you know, helping people vision into their wombs as a meditation practitioner myself. Um, and so can you talk a little bit more about, we've spoken a lot about kind of like the, the, the physical part of it, but you also say that, you know, there's the emotional body. Um, and did you say the, what was the other part of the, the, the thing you said there was three bodies, emotional body, physical body, and is it mental body? Yes. Okay. How do those two other sides of ourselves, um, become impacted by using Ayurveda? 
yeah, I like to think of them all working really together and, and even the spiritual body too. And so even there is something in the ancient text. And so I'm not saying it verbatim. So all the people who are don't get me on this. They're not going to be listening to this podcast. I mean, maybe they will. If you find this podcast and you're like a super stickler for it, give us some grace. (laughs) Um, But truly the first time that we can really see imbalance in the body happens in the spiritual body or in the energetic body. So truly that's why I also like talking about spirituality a little bit more because I think connecting people to that like soul's purpose, um, which by the way, doesn't necessarily mean your career and is what the first step in healing, like that's usually where we see the first type of disconnection. Um, and then we start to see it kind of go closer, closer to the aura where it'll go through more of like the mental and the emotional body and the physical body is last. So if your physical body is screaming out to you, it's actually your body's like, I've been showing you signs like way along in the get-go that you've been ignoring, but now I'm like loud and clear. We're not moving on until you address this. So it's, although everyone's like, Oh, I got a physical symptom. It's like, no, there was a lot of signs that we can kind of backtrack to see. And that's what I try to do too. Like as far as finding the root cause of like, what initiated this? Usually it's trauma that happened that's undigested. Um, and I see a, a lot of undigested grief, um, mm-hmm. not necessarily losing someone in their life. But again, I think grief can be tied to trauma and just a lot of undigested emotions. So we can look about them in terms of the doshas. So I'll kind of just go through each dosha and all bodies so you can kind of see where the imbalance may be. So um, if you're a pitta dosha imbalance right now, um, when you're when you're physically out of alignment, it could definitely be the inflammation, right? There's too much heat in the body and there's the acne and there's the redness. And this can lead to a lot of chronic conditions and a lot of autoimmune diseases. So I think that's just interesting that that can feel like a blanketed term in our now day and age, but pitta imbalances are on the rise for sure. And emotionally, this can be hot tempered. This can be anger and frustration. Um, and I also like to tie it to limiting beliefs. Again, not in the ancient text, but something that I've experienced with myself and my clients. A lot of times with Pitta Dosha, it's coming back to, I am not enough. I need to achieve more. My worth is in how much I output, how much productivity I'm in. And if I'm not in this fight response all the time, I feel lazy or I feel unworthy to receive love or to receive anything for that matter, but just have a really hard time receiving. So, you know, related to the moon cycle, you'll see this like a week or so before their period is when it's most troubling for them. They're going to get hit with all these emotions um, that are really just knocking on your door saying like, I want to be processed. Like I want to be released and I want you to be open to receiving the gifts that are are waiting for you. So things that can be out of spiritual alignment for Pitta sometimes, you know, career can be a part of it, but you know, where are you just putting in so much of your energy that you're not finding more wholeness in your life? Mm-hmm. Like stopping to smell the roses is quite literally a practice. Sometimes I prescribe to clients is okay. Like, where are you taking the breaks in your day to enjoy this? Like you've built this life that you love, but do you love it? Like, are you sucking the juice out of the nectar? Are you really there in the present with it? And then for Cappadocia, so when Kappas are out of balance, it could feel that heaviness. The heaviness manifests in different ways. It could be physical weight. It could be mucus, often getting respiratory issues. Um, a lot of times, uh, like I point to the chest and the heart because it does have to do with like heart chakra imbalances with Cappadocia. And mentally or emotionally, it can be sometimes sadness and depression. Sometimes it could feel like stubbornness, like they just feel stuck. Like, I just don't know what my next step forward is. Mm-hmm. And really with Kappas, the spiritual 
or I should say the limiting belief behind this is I feel like I had to put others' needs before my own. And I see a lot of codependent relationships in kappas where they feel like, I don't know what my identity is besides being the nurturer. Definitely like a lot of the mothers that I work with have this identity issue. And how do I even begin to put my needs first? Not even knowing what my needs are and wants are because it's so enmeshed in what other people want. And I get so much satisfaction out of that. It gets cloudy. So really understanding what are your needs and wants. And um, like a lot of times when I work with mothers, this is just like a very specific example, but I get mothers who, you know, maybe are becoming empty nesters or they may be realizing like, okay, what is my identity other than a mother? And like, do I get to fulfill my own dreams? And Mm -hmm. they're transitioning into that new identity and being able to own their own needs and wants and pursue that, like investing in themselves so that they can um, bring their beautiful offering to life and get to share it with others. And also I find, um, you know, even just having a self-care routine can feel like, oh, I don't have time for that. Mm You know, that's often what I hear with kappas is I don't have time for myself. I've got to get my kids ready in the morning and I'm a mother, you know, you wouldn't know, but I'm a mother. I hear that all the time. Um, so, and then with the Vata Dosha, it can be the physical imbalance is constipation, it's dryness, it's gas. It can also be weight loss, a lot of this like airiness to them. And then mentally, or I should say emotionally, it can be anxious and unfocused and overwhelmed. And a lot of times with vatas is that they really resist structure and they're very creative beings naturally. So the idea of like a morning routine or even like any type of structure, it feels like suffocating to them. It's like, I'm a creative being, like I can't be told what to do. Like that's going to stop my creativity. Like we see this happening all the time. So they're afraid that they're going to lose their freedom over anything. Mm -hmm. And they're afraid that they're going to lose their creativity. So they're, but the truth is they're not actually finding their sense of creativity from a true standpoint because they're seeking it out in things like their rituals and the routines, which is actually causing their body to be out of balance. So um, also with Vatas, it's really like, I don't trust myself enough. So I feel like I have to follow someone else's way. Um, or I feel like I have to rely on someone else. They too can get caught in codependent relationships in this way. Mm-hmm. So it really comes back to trusting their own intuition and trusting their own body. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that because I can go in so many other directions. But I hope that I, that's helpful, just kind of understanding the bodies. No, it was, it was so helpful. And I'm like, oh shit. I feel like I know people in all of those that like, I've, I like that have experienced all those things. And myself, I feel like I have experienced all those things as well. And I'm sure people listening may feel the same way. Is it possible to have, and I think you already mentioned this, but like multiple imbalances across multiple doshas? Totally. And it's all about if that feels like confusing to you, because of course you've had all of these at certain times in our life and you know, due to our culture, not really digesting grief in that way. Like you may not have fully healed from something before. So there could be lingering remnants of it, but it's really about finding the dosha that feels the most out of balance for you and just focusing on that. And usually like literally 90% of all imbalances can really be related to a vata imbalance. And if vata is vitiated, you always heal vata first because vata can just throw everything off. It's variable and it just makes everything more chaotic. So most of the time it's try to heal the vata dosha first. Sometimes if I see like a high pitta or a high kappa situation, then that's the dosha we focus on. But focus on the one that feels the most prominent to you first. um, And then you'll start to feel the symptoms relief. Wow. 
So how can people work with you? Because this has literally just been like a little tip of the iceberg of obviously your teachings and and the teachings of Ayurveda. What do you have out in the world right now? You kind of mentioned that you don't do one-to-one anymore. Um, So what do you have going on? Yeah. So for those who are still just like kind of dipping their toes in and want to learn more about their dosha and maybe start to try on some Ayurveda practices so that they can see if they like it and if that's what their body is calling to them. I have a free dosha healing workbook and that will give you um, kind of understanding more about what your dosha imbalance is. And then it'll also give you some diet and lifestyle practices that you can start applying and seeing if anything starts to change with Ayurveda. And if, and if you like it, if you want more. Um, and for those that want to go deeper, I have a few um, programs. So um, I have an accreditation program where you can actually become an Ayurvedic, a certified Ayurvedic health coach. And because I'm all into spirituality, we do Reiki in that as well. So you can become a certified Reiki master. Um, and we teach, I love Kundalini yoga. It's the yoga that I'm currently vibing off now. Um, so yeah, it's got a lot of mix into it. It's for those who want to become intuitive healers. And that's a six month program to receive that double certification and your education and all the other Vedic wisdoms. Um, and then what I currently have right now, I love working with holistic practitioners. And I found that a lot of times holistic healers will go to school and they'll rack up all these certifications, but no one taught them how to create a business, which is so (laughs) different than just creating any old business. Like if it's heart centered, it's so different. So I created this program blending Ayurveda and business together. Like I said, right now I'm just studying like, what are these Ayurvedic principles and how can I apply them to all aspects of my life? So I've actually set up my whole business to be from this Ayurvedic lens and using these principles to, for example, like line up my business to the cycles of the dosha. So each month that I do my work tasks around different things, and that has like optimized my energy so much and allowed me to have like less burnout more than ever um, and feel relaxed. So I teach these principles in this business program and teach holistic healers how they can start attracting consistent clients. And that program actually just launched last week. So for those that want to learn more about that, I can send the link and you can now apply for the program. That's perfect. Well, I will put links in the show notes to all of that. Angelica, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else you want to share that we didn't touch on? Um, Well, thank you so much. Like this was so refreshing and I I just love meeting um, other people in this space who are really grounded and like embodied in it. Um, And I know, I think just like leaving on like words of inspiration, like whatever resonated, like go and follow that, especially if you've been feeling and hearing the word Ayurveda, that's oftentimes how people get into it. Like just get curious about that and kind of surrender to the process of it, of having to have an end goal and um, just try to have fun with it and and let it come as it goes. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Mm, I hope you guys got so much out of this conversation. I'm going to be honest. I didn't really know what to expect, but I knew there was going to be so much knowledge shared. And of course, Angelica delivered. So if you want to follow her on social media or check out her podcast or find out about the freebie she mentioned, check out the show notes. I'll put all of the links there. If you want to connect with me on social media, please do. Again, this is going to be the very last episode of season two of the podcast. I can't even believe that it's been two full seasons, but as usual, I will be taking December off and I'll have so many amazing new guests for you when 2023 rolls around. If you want to hit me up on Instagram, I'd love to hear from you. Find me at Leslie Draffin or at the light within podcast, shoot me an email. Hello at Leslie Remember I have brand new prices 
And I still have today um, a holdover from my Black Friday sale when it comes to my own courses and coaching. So find out all about that over on Instagram. Have yourself an amazing week, an amazing December. Thank you guys so much for spending the year with me, for riding the highs and lows with me. And I can't wait to start a brand new chapter in 2023. Remember, there's no light without darkness, but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time, babes.